It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locks on Thunder podcast, let's dive into the first round of my NBA draft big board. Who are my top 30 players on my big board 1.0? And who did the Thunder, or who should the Thunder, keep a key eye on as we head into the draft process? All of that and more coming up on today's Locked on Thunder podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network. It's your teams every day. You are Locked on Thunder. Your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. Email the show, LOThunderpod.com. On today's show, brought to you by Built Ball. We're going to dive into my NBA draft big board 1.0. Again, I'm Rylan Styles. Me member and editor-in-chief over at thundersintentions.com. Again, follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. And on today's show, again, let's dive into the big board. So we've done a few player draft profiles. The top three have been completed. Monday was Jabari Smith. Tuesday was um, Chet Holmgren with Mavs Draft on Twitter, Richard Stamen. And yesterday was Chet, uh, was a uh, Alvin Carroll player profile. Today, Let's lay out my top 30 prospects in all of the land for this first round of the NBA draft. And then next Friday, we'll do the uh, bottom 30 and uh, continue on my big board there if you guys want to hear it. So again, if you want to hear my second round big board, you know, 31 through 60, uh, and then if you want to hear past 60, I have a few guys past 60, but if you want to hear that, you can let me know in the comment section below, or if this format of a big board on a podcast doesn't work for you that's fine too let me know and we can change it up a little bit 
uh, on the next episode. So let me know in the comment section below on YouTube, subscribe, like, all that fun stuff, and also anywhere else you get your podcast from. Uh, the email address, of course, if you don't have social media or if you're not on YouTube, uh, lothunderpod at gmail.com. So let's get into my big board. My number one prospect is Jabari Smith Jr., power forward out of Auburn. You heard me rave about him uh, on Monday, 17 points per game, seven rebounds per game, a block per game, and then shot 43% from three. Richard Stamen says that he you know, has Clay Thompson-like potential as a 3-and-D candidate. Uh, look, that's a very, very good thing for the Thunder. I mean, you give this Thunder team who already has two creators – you know, with, with SGA creating for himself and off of that creates for others and Josh Giddy setting up others as a, as a playmaker, you give them a player that can thrive off ball and can be a knockdown shooter for the driving kick from Shea and for just the excellent passes from Josh Giddy. Uh, that seems like a very good recipe for success at six ten two twenty at uh, 210 from Auburn. I really like Jabari Smith. Number two, Paul Carroll from Duke. Again, yesterday was his profile, 17 points per game, seven rebounds per game, three assists per game. And then, did not shoot great from three, 32% from three. However, there is still optimism around his jump shot and how it can develop, in my opinion, uh, to get closer to where you want it to be, you know, in that plus 35% range. And then number three, Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga. I don't really begrudge anyone for any combination of these three players. I think that these three players are separated by the smallest degree. And so if you have Chen and Jabari number three, or however you want to flip-flop this combination, this order, I don't blame you a bit. I think that that is realistic and that is reasonable. Uh, this is not a case like last year where you only had to, where you, you can only have Kate Cunningham number one. You can have any of these three guys number one. Now, if your number one's not one of these three guys, that's where I start to get, you know what, that's where it starts to get puzzling. But if it's one of these three guys, I don't really blame you at all. And you know, like Richard Stamen, Mavstraff on Twitter doesn't even have doesn't even have Chet in his top three. He has Chet number four uh, in his big board. So, uh, but one of these three guys should be number one, and in my opinion, these three guys should be in your top three in some order. Uh, as recently as two weeks ago, Chet was my number two, and, and Paolo was my number three. Uh, but I moved it, and, and I kind of like where I have it right now of Jabari, Paolo, and Chet at one, two, three. Now, my number four player is Shaden Sharp. I think that this could look better and better as we go along the draft process or worse and worse, right? I think that this is either going to be his actual finishing spot or he has a bad pre-draft process and he's it's not even close to four. So I think it's going to be one or the other. I think that if with a good and strong pre-draft process in terms of measurables at the combine, in terms of private workouts and interview process with uh, teams, I think that all of that can trend to him moving up and up draft boards. He has the highest potential in this class, one of the highest ceilings in this class, uh, seven, uh, he has a, you know, he's a great shooter. I think that he has great athleticism. He has scary defensive potential, you know, with his ability to be versatile if they can unlock his engagement on the defensive end. Uh, plus, I think his eyes upside this draft. So I do not think that there's a better option past the top three if you can't get one of those top three guys. Now let's continue on with this NBA draft big board and talk right now about Jaden Ivey, who many of you will have number four. Jaden Ivey, card out of Purdue, 17 points per game, three assists per game, 37% from three, and then shot 73% from the line, which shows good on a shooting touch. As a player, I really like Jaden Ivey as just a basketball player. For the Thunder, 
I'm less in love with his fit, right? And, and I think that this is one of the rare cases where you do take fit into account so early on if you're the Thunder in this rebuild because you are having to work out a routine and a scheme and a style with two kind of ball-dominant players in Giddy and SGA. You don't really want to throw a third ball-dominant guy. Jabari can play off ball. Paulo can play off ball. Chet can play off ball through the post. And then Shaden Sharp is a wing that, you know, you can get involved off of your two guards. For Jaden Ivey, I think that his his best outcome as an NBA player is with the bonus hands. And then that would make three guys on this team whose best outcome in the NBA is with the ball in their hands. And that's where you start to get, uh, it, it starts to get a little complicated at that point. So that's why I don't have him in my top four. And that's why I could realistically see AJ Griffin flying up this board whenever we do this again after the combine and after we get some more info from, from scouts and from agents and from teams about how they're feeling about these players. Because AJ Griffin, uh, you know, the more you watch him, the injury concern is really the only thing holding him back. I mean, he has injury concerns about his knee and about his ankle, uh, but 10 points per game as a bucket getter, 48% from three. Offensive playmaker for A.J. Griffin. If you were looking at his game, if you could not if you could not lean on the crutch of injuries, you'd have to elevate him higher on most people's big boards. But that crutch of injuries is going to, take him down to, you know, where I have met six or eight, nine, 10 uh, on people's sports. So if we get to the combine and if we get past the combine and teams have their, you know, doctors, you know, their own team doctors evaluate all these prospects. If you didn't know, they're going to go through all the medicals with each and every team. And if agents share the medical history of AJ Griffin, which some of them don't share their medical history. And then that'd be a big red flag for a guy like AJ Griffin who has medical issues in his past. Uh, but if they share the medicals, with the teams and feel comfortable with the teams looking at them with their own doctors. And there's an all clear feeling about AJ Griffin. Then he can, he can certainly leap up above a guy like Jaden Ivy and even a guy like Shaden Sharp, of course, who uh, is a bit of a risk. But me personally, I think I have Shaden Sharp at, at for the entire, the entire way, the rest of the way here. And that we know he's in the draft. I can't see a world where I, where I move sharp from four. I think that the next spot available on my big board would be five for any of these guys who, who could possibly climb as we get to the combine and get through the combine but aj griffin really good player number eight keegan murray 22 years old as a rookie is not going to be great um i don't know how he finishes well in the, in the paint at the nba level he's a really good shot maker in the mid-range and at the three-point line shot 38 percent from three but a lot of those were just tough buckets from beyond the arc and still it's pretty efficient when doing so obviously at 38 percent 23 points two blocks per game eight rebounds per game Nice consolation prize, but I don't think that you should just kind of go out of your way to get Keegan Murray. Uh, I think he's a good player, but again, there are some limitations to where I'm not sure the upside is there. Uh, but Matherin is number uh, eight for me, I should say, and uh, Murray's number seven. And then number uh, nine, Jalen Duran for me out of Memphis. 6'10 big. I don't really see him ever becoming a shooter or a, a stretch of the floor kind of guy. Nice interior score. Could be a lob threat for Josh Getty. Uh, two blocks per game in college, 11-7 kind of guy on the offensive end. I like Jalen Duran, but I'm not in love with Jalen Duran. I've seen some people like crazily have him at like four, like draft him at four for the Thunder. I, I don't see that with him, but I wouldn't mind him at 12 or anywhere past that. I think that Duran is a nice player, uh, but we'll have to see how he measures out the combine and you know if, if, he, if he partakes in those shooting exercises in the combine to see have any hope to become a shooter in the NBA. Uh, we'll see. So that's where I have Duran, and then running out the top 10 is Johnny Davis, guard out of Wisconsin. 
tough bucket getter, 20 points per game. Shot 33% from three, but 78% at the line, which should show you that he has room to improve his three-point percentage and can get that up there. I don't really know, though. What hurts me with Johnny Davis is his defensive lulls and defense and lack of defense on in college is a product to me of his lack of athleticism. It's not a product of a lack of trying or lack of effort. And that's where I start to uh, start to get confused. But let's dive in now to our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Built Bar is fantastic, folks. They're amazing. They're healthy. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Built Bars have everything you need. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar with 100% real chocolate on the outside. Folks, they're great pre-workout or post-workout or even as a meal replacement or a snack. You can use them pre-workout or post-workout again. And to me, what makes Built Bar so good is the fact that they're a uh, healthy option for you, but they make taking the healthy option uh, and they make it doable because oftentimes when you try to eat healthier and you try to do the healthy thing, you're sacrificing, right? You're sacrificing and uh, having to do the same flavors, the same things over and over again and get repetitive and tired of it. And then you quit doing it. With Built Bar, they have so many great flavors that it is easy not to feel like you're in a just repetitive cycle and it's easy to switch it up because they have so many flavors like cookies and cream and almond and peanut butter and double chocolate and just everything you can ask for over there at Built Bar with new flavors all the time. So go to built.com, use the promo code lock 15, get 15% off your next order. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ryland underscore styles, a little under the weather today, but we're suffering. We're, um, we're paddling through it here uh, to get you uh, your podcast every single day. Let's dive in now to the rest of my big board. We are our top 10, which if you want to go back over it, it's Jabari Smith, Paul Carroll, Chet Holmgren, Shaden Sharp, Jaden Ivey, AJ Griffin, Keegan Murray, uh, Benedict Matherin, J- Jalen Duran, Johnny Davis. And then now at number 11, Dyson Daniel, Dyson Daniel, G league ignite guard, uh, I think that he can be a defensive star in the NBA at 6'6". I think that he can be someone who you know, kind of locks down the opposition. Shot 25% from three, not great. You'd have to really believe that he can improve that at the NBA level. Cannot really create for himself you know, in terms of create his own shot, but he does a good job of setting up others. Again, a weird fit it would be for the Thunder, especially having you know, Dort, Giddy, and Shea already, but... Whenever you get down to this portion of the board, there's not very many better prospects than him. Uh, Mark Williams, a center out of Duke, is my next prospect. Seven-footer with two blocks per game, 11 points per game, seven rebounds per game. 
Uh, went over 13 from three. He has a 7-7 wingspan. He's a great inside scorer to me and a great rebounder. Uh, for me, if somehow Jalen Duren did fly up these boards and, and people loved him, you know, at number six or seven or whatever, uh, I wouldn't be terribly upset if I was a Thunder. I wouldn't go try to trade up for Jalen Duran. I'd just settle for Mark Williams if that's where if that's kind of where the board lies at 12 or or 11. I, I just wouldn't – I wouldn't really – put all my eggs in the Jalen Duran basket. When we have a guy like Mark Williams here, that's just how I personally believe. I know a lot of you love Jalen Duran, and we'll see how that evolves throughout this draft process. But uh, as of right now, there's not a ton separating uh, those two prospects. In fact, there's only two players, Johnny Davis and um, Dyson Daniel. Uh, Akai Baji right here at 13, the guard slash forward out of Kansas, 22 years old. To me, he's the safest pick in the draft. And so if you're looking at this from a draft perspective, which I am right now, that's why I have him so high. If you're looking at this from a Thunder perspective, I'd be interested to see how the Thunder value him. He's a safe pick in the draft, which is, tech, is you know typically not what you what you want at this stage at 22 years old. But to me, he has no bust potential. And eventually for the Thunder, you just need to get guys who won't bust out of the league and, and who you feel comfortable can you can actually uh, tangibly put around Shea and Josh Giddy and these other players that you have. So 43%, uh, 41% from three is awesome. I think it'll be a solid NBA contributor at worst. And at best, uh, he can be a plus defender in the NBA uh, that that can keep your offense in a, in a rhythm, in a flow, uh, and help you score the basketball, which is good, while being an above average defender. Uh, and I think at 6'5", if you can get him the development that he needs defensively, he can be a true modern NBA defender, which will be great for his long-term progression. But I don't see a world in which Okai Baji is not in the NBA in three years, and there's other guys on this list who you know could theoretically have that happen to them. Uh, I, I just don't see where where Abaji busts, so I'm going to keep him uh, right here at number 13. Number 14, Jaden Hardy, the guard of the G League Ignite program. Uh, I personally really like Hardy. I, I think that Hardy can do wonders at the combine for himself and can really help his stock out. But he is going to be 20 years old, 17 points per game, 26% from three one steal per game. He's a really great ball handler. He can create for others. He's really good in the pick and roll as a pick and roll ball handler, but awful defensively. And I'm just not sure his scoring potential is there. And at that point you would have Josh Giddy, who's not a score first guy, who's a more of a facilitator kind of guy, Jaden Hardy, who's not, a, who's not a score first guy, more facilitating type of guy, SGA, who is a score first guy and a facilitator kind of guy. It would really depend on Hardy of who you pair him with in terms of his fit with the thunder. Who do you pair him with at the top? Uh, you know, with their first selection uh, versus getting him, you know, lower at like 12 or something, which is what would be the Thunder's range to get Hardy. But again, this big board is for the entire draft, not just the Thunder, but I am putting it back on the Thunder perspective. Uh, my next prospect here is the forward out of Baylor, Jeremy Satran. I think he's the best defender in this class. Elite as a modern NBA defender. 29% from three is is doable with his level of defense. Like I think that he can guard one through five in the NBA. No problem. I think they can do that at a high degree, honestly. I think as a plus one making attribute for himself, he's a really good rebounder for his position. Of course, he gambles a bit defensively, and and, and a lot of times it pays off, but sometimes it doesn't, uh, and you live with that because of how good he is defensively. Uh, if he can improve his three-point shot even just a slight bit, uh, he can start to come up this board a lot. Um, for me, this is another interesting prospect, I think, is Nikola uh, Jovic. I have him at 16. I've seen him, you know, before the draft process really got cooking here recently after March Madness, 
you know, going back to last December, last November, I heard whispers of, you know, top 10 for, for Jovic. And, and so it's interesting to me to see him fall down people's boards. And some people have him, you know, in the, in the low twenties, I'm at 16. I think that uh, the forward out of Serbia, you know, at 610, it goes back to upside. Uh, I think that he has elite playmaking aspects for his size. I think he's a really good shot creator for his size. I think he can do both ends of a pick and roll. He can be the roll man or the pot man. He can also be the pick and roll ball handler. A uh, really versatile defender, especially if you get him within an NBA developmental program like the Thunder have. And so that's why I feel very comfortable taking Jovic if I was the Thunder and just banking on him to pan out as a prospect. I think that he's really good. Kendall Brown, my next prospect out of Baylor, uh, 6'8", 19 years old, 10 points per game, four rebounds per game, two assists per game, 38% from three. I think he's a prototypical NBA player uh, in this modern day and age, and you're going to want to get your hands on a Kendall Brown this at this point in the draft whenever uh, most teams down here are trying for the play and are trying to kind of just put their finishing touches on the rebuild. This is a guy who can be in your playoff rotation immediately, uh, and I think that that's great. Him, Jeremy uh, Sohan, uh, these guys can really be in your playoff rotation tomorrow. So I really think that that's just a great outcome for the NBA. I have number 18, Patrick Baldwin Jr., one of my favorite prospects in this draft. I think that if he had the Shaden Sharp treatment right, if he just did not play a single game in college, he'd be a top 10 pick. He had the injuries. The The issue here is that, these, that this ankle injury has lingered with him through college. He played at Milwaukee to play for his dad. And, you know, it, it is difficult to play for your father at any stage, but I don't want to blame that on his dad for why he had a bad season. I think it's more so the injuries and the environment of college, right? I talk all the time about how, in the college game, the spacing is different. It's much worse. Your teammates around you are much worse. That's going to be in the NBA. And whenever you go to an environment like that in general, which is, which is any college program, then you go to a program in Milwaukee that does not have you know, draftable talent on their team next to you, it's going to look even worse while dealing with an injury, especially. Uh, I think that he, is, uh, Matt, he has massive upside, and, and to me, he should stay in the draft. I know he's interested into the transfer portal in case he doesn't get the right testing scores that he wants from the NBA. Uh, but Patrick Baldwin Jr., while he might slip lower than he should have had he not played a single game in Milwaukee, uh, I think that he'll still be very, very good in the NBA. And I would love the Thunder to get him. Uh, and hopefully they can promise him that they'll pick him up 30, and that's what will make him stay in the draft. I personally believe that you know, if he gets a promise from somebody in the first round, he'll stay no matter where that promise lies. So if the Thunder promise him at pick 30, and then if he goes before 30, oh, well. And if he is there at 30, you draft him at 30, I would love that strategy for the Thunder uh, number 20, I should say number 19, I have Kennedy Chandler, guard out of Tennessee. Undersized, but really scrappy. He can play a really strong defense uh, in a vacuum, of course, just looking at his defense at six foot tall. He's going to have limitations just based on his height, but you take away those limitations on his height, and he plays really technically sound defense while being able to be pesky and to get inside of your shorts on defense. To me, the comparison here, if you love NBA comps, would be Dennis Schroeder with defense, and that is a really good comp for a backup point guard. Uh, and, and sure, he could be a starting point guard on a bad team uh, early in his career, but in general, right, as you start to evolve his career and, and whatever team he lands on starts to get better and better and better, I think he can be a, a six-man type, a backup point guard type that can close games for you because of his defense. Even at six feet tall, uh, he can stay on the floor defensively, in my opinion, in the NBA. Ty Ty Washington, guard out of Kentucky. Here's another one. He's at 20, and then we're going to do my my, 20, my 21 through 30 after the break. But at 20, Ty Ty Washington, him and Chandler to me are interchangeable uh, of who you have above the other, but they're both in the same range for me. Uh, 6'3", he's a plus playmaker. 
He loves the the three point shot. Loves upside from beyond the arc. I think that he has limitations, and, and despite his height, has way more defensive limitations than Chandler does, and that's why I have Chandler higher. He lacks that you know lateral quickness to me. Tatai Washington does. So I have him a step lower than Chandler, but either one uh, would be a good fit, uh, in my opinion, for teams and and for the teams in this specific range, in my opinion. But let's continue on here with number 20. That was 20, Tatai Washington, 21, coming up after the break. But first, I want to say right now, but our good friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline, folks, is incredible. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of betting stats and sports information from all the latest sports developments and everything you can ever need from league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, the start of the NBA season. But online is your continued source for all things sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head over to the website today or even use your mobile device and learn more about the trends and actions this season. But online is where the game starts. But online, folks, it's so easy to go to your URL, type in betonline.net, go to sportsbook, and then we're going to go down to basketball. NBA, and we have Grizzlies, Timberwolves tonight. I've got Timberwolves plus one and a half to extend this series as home dogs. Let me know who you have on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. And again, go to betonline.net. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you. Talking Thunder basketball for your second listen. Check out the Lockdown NBA podcast from Jump Ball, the playing tournament through the NBA Finals. Our local experts are taking you deeper inside the playoffs than ever before with, of course, off-season reviews and off-season previews for every other team in the NBA. So stay tuned for that. It's a five-a-week show just like we are over there for the national perspective on the NBA. Let's finish out the big board. Taking you all the way down to 30. I have Usman Dieng at number 21. Terry Eason. At number 22, Blake Wesley at number 23, EJ Liddell at number 24. And then I have Makai Brenham at number 25, Wendell Moore Jr. at number 26. And to me, Wendell Moore Jr. is another interesting big for the Thunder who, uh, you know, a four, I should say, for the Thunder who can use a, a four and a wing at 6'5". I love his ball handling ability. I love his ability to finish at the rim, which the Thunder lack having guys that to finish at the rim besides SGA, who's a lead at it. Everyone else struggles. Lou Dort struggles. Josh Giddey struggles. You know, really, SGA is the only elite player at the rim on the perimeter for, for the Thunder, and I love what Wendell Moore can bring you at the rim. 
I think he's nice as a relocator and cutter off ball offensively and a very, very, very switchable defender, which you have to have in the NBA. Now, here's one that I find very interesting is Christian Bryant, number 27. Look, as a Kansas fan, I've watched Chris Bryant shoot 44% from three as a rookie. He was a freshman, I should say, in the college terms, down to like, what was it, 38% as a uh, as a sophomore, or I should say down to like, uh, 30, what was it? 5% as a sophomore and then back up to 38. So you've kind of seen him take the peaks and valleys of the three point shot in college. Uh, I don't really love him as a ball handler. He's a fine passer in terms of whipping the ball around the offense and keeping you in, in line and in a rhythm and just kind of being a swing passer. He's not a great passer in terms of setting anybody up. I think that, that, that seems that this range will fall in love with the, the chance that he can be a sniper and be somebody you can put in at six, seven to, not be a defensive liability while also having huge upside as a uh, shooter from beyond the arc. And that's kind of what his limitations are and what his kind of ceiling is at the NBA level. 28, I have Christian Coloco, the center out of Arizona. I like his game a lot. Elite low post defender. I think he can switch onto the perimeter without getting exposed too heavily. Obviously, I wouldn't love him guarding threes all the time, but you know, I think that he can guard threes at a reasonable clip and not just be play off the floor and then guards fours and fives very, very well. Despite his age, I still think he'd be not a project per se at 22 years old, but somebody who needs time to develop. He didn't really take basketball seriously until like 15 years old. So he's still pretty raw in terms of just his basketball age and not his actual age. So I like Coloco a lot and I would not mind taking him at, you know, pick 30 for the Thunder. And if he's there, um, if you don't get a center in your first two picks. Number 29, I have Hugo Beeson for the guard from New Zealand, 6'3". 18 points per game, five rebounds per game, three assists per game. I, I like his upside a lot. And then number 30, the draft really dips off for me, and I'll, I'll explain this later on in the in the process. But number 30, I do have Marjan uh, Beauchamp from the Jadake Knight program, but I'm not in love with him to me. I I, I said it to uh, Mavs Draft in one of our uh, check, text exchanges. To me, whenever I look at Marjan Beauchamp, I just see a great value Darius Basley. Not as great defensively same or worse offensively, not a great combination for me. And I think that, you know, for the Thunder specifically, you already have a bow champ at home and it's a better version of it in Darius Baisley. So that's where I have number 30. If you want to hear the rest of my big board, you can feel free to let me know in the comment section below. I'm not sure how this format goes uh, over on podcast, but to me, after about Ty Ty, after about Diang, I start to worry about, you know, the, the draft itself, of course, you can sneak in Easton as well, uh, but really the Blake Wesley, E.J. Liddell, Brennaham, Moore, Braun, Coloco, Beeson, Bochamp, I'm not really in love with them. You know, they, They're technically first-round grades, quote-unquote, because they're having to fill the slots that, that fill out the top 30, but my first-round grades really stop at Easton and then pass that. I don't love them anymore. I don't love the draft anymore to where I could see them falling in the second round in terms of just pure talent, but somebody has to get picked uh, from, from picks 23 down to 30. So that's where I'm at on this draft class specifically. What are your thoughts on the draft class for you? Let me know in the comment section below or on Twitter at Rutland underscore styles. Also, you can follow me on Twitter over there and subscribe like the show on YouTube and wherever else to get your podcast from. So until Monday, whenever I'll be feeling better and uh, more like myself on Monday, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe for free, and we'll see you Monday. Until then, be good and be good to one another. 
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.